Hey, welcome back to The Comeback Show. As usual, Thank I'm you. Connor, and today my guest is Donovan. Donovan previously appeared in September, and today we're going to dissect a lot of juicy topics. I'm looking forward to rehashing and seeing where Donovan is at. Welcome back, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. I enjoyed our last um, our last podcast, which has been September of last year. And yeah, a lot of great things have, have happened. Um, in terms of my business, you know, I've gotten just uh, just made a lot of strides, you know, uh, just really trying to just help people uh, help uh, specifically, you know, of men with their fitness and mindset and everything around that. We touched on that a little bit last time and about how I believe that, you know, fitness is more than just physical. It's, it's mindset. It's emotional. It's, it's all of these things. And so I've gotten a lot more clear on how I can help, you know, uh, men with that. And uh, I've been putting out a lot more content, which I'm sure you've seen and all that. So, mm, yeah, so yeah, things, yeah, things have been going great. And in terms of my own fitness, um, can still see my abs. So, you know, I'm not a hypocrite. So still doing good. Yeah. And I'm about to, uh, I'm about to, I'm finally about to get to the end of my cut and I could finally start bulking up and, and just putting on some, some more muscle. So, so yeah. Excellent, man. I'm glad that that's where I'm at. Well with you, yeah. And I really enjoyed the last one. And I feel like this time we're probably not going to talk about fitness as much, but also other topics. But I'm still delighted yeah. here that you're doing well from a personal, professional sense related to your fitness, both physical, mental, and emotional. That sounds excellent. I guess let's talk about a huge topic, which it was about 10 right. days ago now, but it's still trending. And I think it will still, oh, like, yeah. the ramifications will go on for a long, long time involving oh, yeah. Will Smith and Chris Rock. We all know what yep. happened. Now, the, uh, you your take on that. What did you think about the whole incident? Oh, yeah, that's 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 quite the question. Yeah, we it's been called the, the slap herd around the world, right? That's what people are calling it now. Mm. I think it's so important. And, you know, at first, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's totally fake. You know, it's to distract us from all these other things. I don't know, maybe. Um, I've, I've consulted a lot of uh, slap experts, people well-versed in the, uh, the slap arts, and uh, they've offered their opinions that, no, this is not fake. And uh, I think it's so important because it illuminates so many issues. So I think it illuminates issues on society particularly a lot of double standards that we, we hold as a society. And by society, I'm more or less talking about Western society. And it also illuminates a lot of issues around masculinity. So I would say mostly society, masculinity, and in a way, society's view of masculinity and more like masculinity as it just pertains to men. So those are two huge threads that we can pull on. So, hey, which one do you wanna, which one do you wanna pull on first? Because uh, mm. either one is good. Yeah. No, either one is, yeah. And I thought of it the same thing when I was looking at the incident. And once I realized it wasn't fake, uh, I think, first mm -hmm. of all, let's go for society because there's been mixed reactions. Right. Some have like tried right. to go team Will versus team Chris. Some have mm -hmm. said the whole thing is ridiculous. Some have said, oh, maybe he deserved it. Some have defended the other. And yeah, I think the society as a whole is probably a good way to start. What are your right. thoughts on it from a societal perspective? All right, well, I say, okay, so there's a lot of double standards. One is the double standard of, let's just go for the most obvious one. It's a double standard with violence. So I, I see kind of a 50-50 split, maybe it's 60-40, who knows. But I kind of see it as being a little bit half and half in terms of like where people stand on it. 
And, uh, you know, just, just to say, you know, the, these are all my opinions. If you disagree with me, you're not a bad person. You know, you have your opinions. I have mine, but my opinion is that I think there's a double standard when it comes to violence. I see a lot of people who say, you know, we stand against hate and violence. Okay. Unless you're the ones who's doing the hating and doing the violence. So are you against hate and violence or are you against it when you're not the one who's doing it? Right. So think about this. There's a precedent we're setting. All right. And, um, you know, I, I used to like do mock trial in high school, which is like debate, but in like a, a courtroom mm-hmm. with actual real life court cases in front of a, a panel of attorneys and a real judge. And so I feel like that's kind of shaped my thinking on a lot of uh, on a lot of these issues is precedent. If you say it's okay to do something, you're saying that it's okay to do from now moving forward, and it doesn't apply to who's doing it. Just the action is okay, right? So the precedent that we as a society are setting by by supporting or yeah by supporting what Will Smith did is it's okay to enact violence on behalf of our feelings. Let me repeat that one more time. It is okay to enact violence on uh, on behalf of our feelings or on the behalf of others' feelings or no, our perception of others' feelings. So we have elevated feelings to, to the rule of law. So I'm wondering what happened to the rule of law Does the law only apply when we feel like it? Uh, No, it applies to all people at all times. That's, That's the point. That's what makes justice blind. But when people advocate for just acting violently because of your feelings, what would society look like? You know what society would look like? It would look like the purge. Have you seen, have you seen those movies, Connor? I have, yeah, and I know exactly what you're saying. Right, I mean, they're not, I mean, they're not art house films by any stretch. At most, they're very entertaining B-movies, but they do highlight a very important idea is what happens when rule of law collapses and we are just left to our own devices, do whatever we want because of our own feelings. Complete and total societal collapse. We're reaching a point where people worship their feelings and they feel that their feelings are essentially God. Just because you feel a certain way you are justified. And that's, that's wild. That's, that's absolutely wild. Now everybody's entitled to their feelings. You can feel whatever you want to feel. You're not bad because you feel that way, but you can't just do whatever you want. You can't just slap a person because you felt some kind of way, you know? So it's, it's a crazy precedent was set. Definitely. And what do you think of the fact that, say, a few mo- few minutes later, Will Smith got an award and then got a standing ovation despite what had happened? What were your thoughts on that situation? Oh, my God, that was so disgusting. And that just kind of ties into the point that that we just that I just uh, spoke on is law, the rule of law. So the rule of law doesn't apply when it's your feelings on the line or your perception of other people's feelings. But really, the rule of law doesn't apply when you're rich, famous and you have influence. Right. I know some actions were taken against Will, but I, I'd hope some actions were taken against. I'd hope he'd been banned from the Oscars. That's like the bare minimum. You know, it, if it was just, you know, average Joe on the street and he went up and he slapped somebody, his ass would be behind bars like his ass would be behind bars quick. 
you know? So obviously there's that double standard. And, but, you know, I think also a lot of people were just so stunned. A lot of people were so stunned that this could happen at the Academy Awards. And think about it. There have been comedians hosting the Academy Awards for decades. It's a tradition, right? The awards, uh, I, I forgot the name of the association. I was called the, the Awards Association, right? Have been hiring comedians to host a show for decades. And it's the job of the comedian to roast the nominees and poke holes in their ego so that the nominees don't get too big ahead for being nominated and or winning and to lighten the mood of what would otherwise be and arguably is a Hollywood ego massaging circle jerk, right? That's their job. They're hired to do that. That's why they are there. And in the decades of award ceremonies, there's never been, to my knowledge, such a bold face, bold face display of violence. So to all the people who Who've, uh, who support Will Smith's actions, I pose this question. Is this a Chris Rock, the comedian problem, or a Will Smith, the actor problem? I mean, I know where I stand on that, you know? So. That's a big question, yeah, no, and I'm pondering it myself, and I know exactly what you're saying in that regard. But I, I'm going to not play devil's <clears throat> advocate, but try and look from it from the other side. So I know Please that- Please play devil's advocate. Okay, that's, sure. That's what makes, it, that's what make thing, makes things more interesting. Okay, no worries. So obviously, yeah, I see what you're saying that the comedian is supposed to poke holes at the egos of everyone involved just to make sure they don't get too big for their boots, mm -hmm. et cetera, if they're not. Well, not everybody involved. Usually it's the nominees because it, it, it wouldn't make sense to just poke like this actor or this stuntman or this cinematographer who's sitting like 23 rows to the left. It's, it's usually the nominees to let them know like, hey, this is a lighthearted event. And hey, like, yeah, you're being nominated. You might win, but don't get too big for your britches now. Mm, yeah, so that brings me to the point of did Rock cross the line by going for Will Smith's wife where she wasn't mm. involved necessarily? Because obviously right. com comedy is comedy. And also mm -hmm. about the issue, because I, I'm not sure of what you know about alopecia. I had a friend who had it and I can know, mm -hmm. I saw the impact it had on him close hand. And so I can, right. I'm trying to, I don't condone Smith's actions, but I'm trying to mm. emphasize, empathize with him for why he would be upset, especially going towards a wife. Do you think mm. Rock crossed any sort of line with his comedy or is comedy comedy? What are your thoughts? Right. Before we answer that question, let, let's explore this. Context matters, right? Context totally matters. And we have to take a look at that before we kind of like delve deep into whether it was right or wrong. Will, people are forgetting, Will Smith and his wife, can we stop calling her his wife? She has a name. Her name is Jada Pinkett Smith. So, I mean, and I mean, I'm not saying like you, but I'm just saying everybody else. Like, okay, Jada, right? She has a name. Will Smith and his wife, Jada, they're public figures. And they're at an awards show and one of them was nominated. Javier Bardem and his wife, Penelope Cruz, who were both nominated, they got roasted. And, and they took it in stride. What makes Will or Jada untouchable? They are public figures. And the problem is a lot of people who are kind of applying their own experiences to this, and reasonably so, that's what we do. Most, a lot of people are private citizens. And maybe you and I, to a lesser extent, since we have our platforms and we put ourselves out there somewhat, but most people are private citizens. They are applying their private citizen situation onto Will and Jada's situation as public figures. Will and Jada are celebrities. Let me repeat that for everyone. They are celebrities. And they themselves opened themselves up to scrutiny 
about their family and their marital life. And I, I don't want to get too like gossipy about that, but I have to mention it because it's related. That's what we're seeing is, is a culmination of a lot of those things. But they chose to open themselves up to scrutiny about their family, marital life, and their dirty laundry, essentially. They've aired their dirty laundry on Jada's uh, Red Table Talk show. And most people complaining are not celebrities. They're private citizens. So they frame the situation like Will and Jada, which is private citizens out in the street, minding their own business. And Chris Rock, the boogeyman, jumps out of the alley and starts verbally tearing into Jada and calling her the nastiest things. Now, look, if you and I were out with our loved ones and some random person came up and started talking shit, it would be wrong of us to hit that person. But people would understand especially if that person was saying nasty things. Now, if that person got physical or followed us, then you have a case for defense. Now, moving on to your question, was the joke too much? You know, everyone's subjective. Everyone has a, a limit for what too much is. But I say this, Jada was open uh, recently about her condition with alopecia. In fact, she even made light of her condition. So, that kind of sends the message, you know, she's okay with it. It's not a big deal. She doesn't see it as a big deal. You know, we shouldn't either. And again, she's a public figure. What kind of message does that send when you're roasting everybody in the nominee's row, but we got to skip over Jada? Right? Like, mm. are we not, are we not going to treat her equally as a public figure, as an actress herself? People forget she's not just Will Smith's wife. She is also an actress. Are we going to skip over her? Because you know, because she has alopecia. I mean, alopecia, it's, I'm sure having it is, it is not a good experience, but it's not like Chris Rock made fun of a dying leukemia patient, you know? Uh, men have uh, suffer from a type of baldness. If I'm not uh, mistaken, it's called androgenic alopecia. So what are we saying now? Is this open season for men with baldness to attack people, especially if it's about jokes? I mean, how many jokes have been made about men with baldness? Is this a call to action? Is this the beginning of the bald revolution? Will bald men now rise up against their oppressors, overthrow them, and install a bald world leader to promote an era of bald rights and equality? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And here's the thing. Chris Rock could have gone so much harder on Jada, especially because of the dirty laundry that she aired out. You know what the joke he made, G.I. Jane? G.I. Jane does not have alopecia. G.I. Jane is a female character who shaved her head to, to, to measure up to her male counterparts in the movie and to prove that she could hang with the other men. She shaved her head as a message of empowerment, not because of, not of disempowerment. So by him referring to her as G.I. Jane, yeah, you might think it's a bald joke, but if anything, he's saying, I'm comparing you to a woman who shaved her head who's a badass. And people don't think about that. People just, you know, they feel some kind of way and then they react. So I think he threw her a softball joke. Now, if you want to see how bad it could have gotten, read some of Ricky Gervais's, um, uh, he's such a funny guy, but he said that if he was in Chris Rock's position, would he have made a joke about her baldness? He said, no, I would have made a joke about their open relationship. So hearing that, Chris Rock, he threw her a softball joke. He could have gone way harder. Yeah, absolutely. No, I never actually thought of it from that perspective. And I wasn't actually aware of what G.I. Jane was, to be honest with you. So I'm glad that you've like 
confirm that for me. Can I ask, before we we move on to masculinity, because I think this is mm. going to be a key reason for perhaps Smith's actions. Smith, oh, yeah. Smith, I think before this, like I, you know, from my knowledge of him, he obviously has Fresh Prince, Pursuit of Happiness, yeah. and a whole host of other things. His reputation to me seems pretty, seemed pretty good. It seemed pretty good. Do, is oh, yeah. his reputation now defined and tarnished by this incident going forward? I think it's too soon to say yes, but we would be kidding ourselves if, if we said that it wouldn't affect his reputation. This, I, you know, what he did was wrong. There's a lot of responsibility on his side, but I also can't help but feel sorry for him. He is, he's having a very rough go at it right now. And if he just, and, and we're gonna, I know we're gonna address this when we talk about masculinity. If he just found a better way to resolve the conflict, and there are some better ways. We'll talk about that. If you just, mm, if you just found a better way, you know what would have happened? People would have forgotten about the joke. It was a throwaway joke. When it comes to jokes, that's that's a C joke. That's a C grade joke. It's okay. It's a throwaway joke. People would have forgotten about that. Like that would have been it. And we would have instead been celebrating Will Smith's first Academy Award. But because he did what he did for the reasons that he did now that has been tarnished by the slap and um yeah i think this will tarnish his um you know what he had he had in the castle they have those like flowing like um what do they call that those flowing banners what do they call that uh i'm not actually sure to be honest with you not the drapes hold i gotta look this up i was trying to make a trying to make a metaphor and i've had a brain for it what do they call those flowing banners in castle um, I don't know what they're called. Anyway, so he basically had this tapestry, tapestry. So he had this amazing golden tapestry and this slap is like a giant shit stain on that tapestry. And yes, that shit stain will fade with time, but it's gonna be there. You can't deny it. So I hope that answers your question. No, I think it does. And yeah, no, I do agree. It is maybe a bit too obscenely, but, but yeah, <laughs> no, I like the metaphor to be honest with you. Yeah. It's always, I'm, I can't think of any better off the top of my own head, but it will always be there. It will be there immortalized in memes forever. And it, yeah. exactly. Oh man. Will Smith is, he is a meme right now. I'll tell you, you know, I've, as much as I sympathize from, oh my, there, there have been some memes out there, you know, there have been people saying, oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to badmouth them on, on the pocket, but I'll, I'll, I'll take one meme. They say one, the pursuit of slappiness. There you go. <laughs> right. The pursuit of slappiness. So that that's one. And there's, there's so many, like, I think there's a meme of, of Will Smith slapping Thanos and drawing blood. It's, it's, oh man, Will Smith has created so much content for us. He has indeed. And let's move on it, to the masculinity. Yeah. I think that this is a nice transition because it makes me think, why he did what he did now he will mm. be the only person to answer properly but i'm thinking and this is just my opinion and i'm sure many others share that he's doing it to look macho to protect his oh, wife and 100%. i think that leads into the masculinity aspect can you talk to me a bit more about that right let me um let me bookend or talk about society and lead in with this other point that i've had about one of the other double standards society is sending men very mixed signals when it comes to emotional vulnerability a lot of the messaging, a lot of the mainstream messaging has told men to be open with their feelings, open with what they're afraid of, open with their worries, open about their weaknesses. 
And Will Smith did that, uh, though probably not in the best way, through uh, Jada's Red Table Talk. He opened up about how he's always felt like a coward since he couldn't protect his mother from being beaten by his father. And I look, I'm not a psychologist and, and I'm not going to I'm not going to play psychologist. But I but I will say and I think a lot of people can agree that childhood trauma has to have an effect on you going forward in your life. And he's opened up about the open marriage that he has. And I'm saying open marriage in quotes that he had. And the video is practically a meme. And what does society do? Does society say, you know what, Will Smith, you're so strong for opening up. Thank you. No, they clowned him. Now they're calling him Hollywood's most famous cuck. He's like you said, he's a meme now. He's a joke now. You know what it's like? Society is sending men this double standard about emotional vulnerability. It's like being nice to a cat so that it will approach you, it thinks you're safe, it lets its guard down, and right when it lets its guard down, you smack it in the face. I feel like that is what's going on with the mixed signals that um, the society is sending men. And, and speaking about Macho, here's why I think what he did was not manly or masculine. If The Rock, if Dwayne Johnson The Rock, or Chris Hemsworth, Thor, we're hosting the award ceremony. Tell me honestly, Connor, do you think Will Smith would have rocked on up there and slapped them? No chance. No. Exactly. Chance. He, they would have slapped Will Smith. They would have slapped him back into a different dimension. Right? If they were up there, he would have crossed his legs, smiled through pursed lips, and his ass would have stayed in his seat. But The Rock or Chris Hemsworth not up there. It was Chris Rock. He went up, he slapped Chris Rock, then he turned his back. You can look at the footage. He turned his back and walked away with a smirk on his face. Why? Because he knew there would be no repercussions. Will Smith is 6'2", that's 188 centimeters, and 280 pounds, that's about 100 kilograms. Chris Rock is 5'10", that's about 177 centimeters, and he's 170 pounds. That's 77 kilograms. That is a four-inch, 10-centimeter height difference and a 50-pound, 23-kilogram weight difference. Is that a fair fight? I thought we as a society were against bullying, but apparently not. We're just changing the rules when we feel like it. And here's the point. In the rougher parts of America, hell, not just America, but any country, I'm sure even in the U.K., in the rough parts of the UK, you will end up in the hospital or the cemetery for slapping a man like that, right? I mean, can you agree? I can agree. Exactly. You would, you would be hurt or dead. But now Will Smith went up and he slapped the man. His size are roughly his size. His actions would still be wrong. But at least they wouldn't be cowardly, you know. And, and I, and when I lived in Vietnam, um. And actually, this is, all right, I said I wouldn't play psychologist, but I'm bending the rules a little bit myself, so maybe I'm a hypocrite. So there is a concept in psychology called displacement, which means you are not handling the source of your emotional distress at its root source. You are displacing or passing the emotional hot potatoes, so to speak, to something else. So a good example is, well, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. But another example in our normal day-to-day -day life, your boss yells at you. You can't slap your boss. You can't cuss your boss out. So you go home and you yell at your wife. You yell at your boss. Or you kick the dog. This happens all the time in Vietnamese culture. I'm not calling out Vietnam. But I see this so much in Vietnamese culture. 
and, and I'm saying Vietnamese culture because I lived there for six years, you know, it happens a lot in, in, in all cultures. But when I saw in Vietnamese culture, hierarchies in Vietnamese culture, you know, because of the whole Confucian thing, there are like different hierarchies. You can't hit up according to that Confucian mindset, but you can always hit down. So I saw these, I saw a lot of people bully, whether it was physically, verbally, emotionally, or psychologically, bully people who were lower down on the totem pole. And I feel like that's the same kind of thing that Will Smith did. He felt like Chris Rock was an easy target, the perfect target for his slap. And so he did what he did. Um, I've never actually thought of it from that perspective. Yeah, of course, if Dwayne Johnson's up there, I don't think Will Smith's going anywhere near it. He'd probably smile. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Smile and nod. Smile and nod. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm thinking from that point then, for example, I know that we're not going to play psychologist, but what right. do you think are healthy ways for men to deal mm. with firstly trauma, for example, mm. Will Smith not being able to defend his mother and that causing an impact, and also to deal with attack, shall we say? So if a man is, you know, feels like he's under attack, what do you think is mm -hmm. a verbally, that's an example, mm -hmm. what do you think is a healthy way of dealing with it? Right, ooh, trauma, uh, trauma and healthy ways. I'm glad you asked that. Trauma, I'll tell you this, and you know, I, I think the, there were a lot of terrible things about COVID, obviously, but I think one of the great things, or one of the silver linings, because um, there's nothing great about COVID, but one of the silver linings of the situation was, it brought to light how important comprehensive wellness is. Wellness, not just in, not just physical wellness, but mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Now, during the lockdowns back in like around August, September, when they were really bad last year, and you, you were, you, yeah, you were in Vietnam too, so you know. It was rough, man. We couldn't go outside. The military was deployed. They were, got AKs, checkpoints, barbed wire. People were in a rough spot. And I'll tell you this. I am so grateful and happy that I was able to work out because I had you know, my, my, physical, my physical training, which I still do because it's part of my business. I'm glad that I had a lot of mindset tools available to me, like journaling and meditation and uh, mindfulness. I'm glad I had a lot of emotional tools, again, journaling and meditation and all that, but I'm also glad I had spiritual tools, my own faith, you know, my, my Christian faith. And COVID really brought an awareness to wellness. And for men to deal with trauma, I think we as men, we need to, I think therapy, honestly, I think therapy is so important. I think there is no, I can't think of a single bad reason, except for maybe cost, but I can't think of another bad reason for anybody to go to therapy. You as a man are not weak for getting help. I think it is weaker to, to lie to yourself that you're okay when you're not, because then you're acting out of fear, right? It's more masculine, in my opinion, to admit you have a problem. Think about it like this. Let's say you have a business and you're really good at your business, but you suck at marketing and sales. Are you manly then for trying to figure marketing and sales out on your own while you're bleeding money and you're not making revenue? No, you say, I don't know this shit. I'm going to go find a sales and marketing coach to teach me what I don't know so I can resolve this so I can do what I got to do. And yeah, with, with trauma, mental and emotional, seek therapy. 
honestly seek and, and not just seek there, but seek the right kind of therapist. Seek somebody who, or seek, yeah, seek therapy or coaching, whatever that, that looks like, and seek the right person who understands you. Because I've always said this men are not unemotional. We just are, we're just deathly afraid of our emotions and we suppress them. And oftentimes that comes up as being stoic and unemotional, but we're just really good at hiding it. But what you suppress always comes back worse. And so that, that, that little emotion that was, you know, like a, like a little, little puppy, you suppress that it's going to come back a wolf and it's going to bite your throat. So therapy is important. Uh, if you believe, if you have a spiritual faith, that's important. Um, and another thing is you are a human being, human, right? You're a human. The word man is inhuman. You're a human. You have emotions. That's okay. It is okay for you to have emotions. Somebody did something, you feel pissed. That's cool that you feel that way. It's not okay to slap them, but you feel that way. It's okay to say, hey, I'm feeling this kind of way. I'm feeling that kind of way. When that person said that, I didn't like that. Maybe feel uncomfortable, maybe feel hurt, maybe feel like my masculinity was feeling challenged. And then you could go into, well, why? Why did it make me feel challenged? And, you know, there's a whole lot of threads that you can go on there, but men need to just get real with themselves. You know, they always say uh, society is man up. Men got to man up about their emotions. We have to admit to ourselves that we have emotions. And that means we need to find positive ways to deal with those emotions. And leads on to your next question, how to solve conflict um, healthily when you feel like your masculinity is being attacked? I'll, I'll say this, I'll use an example. How should Will have solved it? And I understand in the heat of the moment, it's very hard and we can all armchair quarterback because we're talking about this like, you know, 10, 10 days or like two weeks later, but. Yeah, sure. I think Will really needed to bite his tongue in the moment. And then during the break time, go to Chris Rock and say, hey, Chris, you know, you probably didn't mean much by it, but when you made that joke about my wife's, did you, first of all, did you know my wife has alopecia? Yeah, alopecia is a condition where she's losing all the hair on her body and it's been really, it's been really rough for her. And that's why she shaved her head. So did you know she had alopecia? Chris Rock probably didn't. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. He's like, yeah, like, I know you didn't mean much by it, but that joke really hurt my wife. And, you know, that made her upset. And that's making me upset right now. And I know you didn't mean bad by it. So I would appreciate it, Chris, if you could apologize to my wife. I think that would go a long way. And he probably would have apologized. You know what? That would have been that. And they would have handled their business like men, not boys playing at being macho men. So I hope that that answered the question. You know, men need to speak. If if we couldn't use our words to resolve issues, we wouldn't have a mouth. We just have fists. But, you know, we have a mouth for a reason. We got a brain for a reason. Use it. Fists, when you start, when you start resorting to fists, something is going terribly wrong. Yeah, we're going back to like... Terribly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> for sure. Going and, back to the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. And what I like you mentioning about... Um, talking through the issues and doing things like that. And also the analogy of the uh, sales and marketing where hiring someone, if you don't know what you're doing and admitting that yeah. issue, I think there is something stoic in that, isn't it? It's taking yeah. 
responsibility for your behavior where I often discuss on this podcast, the thing that a lot of the time things aren't your fault. If you have depression or anxiety, it's not your fault, mm. but it is your responsibility how to deal with it. Oh, that is, that's awesome. I, I made a, I made a reel about that actually. Oh, did when you? I was, yeah, I, I li- literally word for word. So like, you know, we're great minds think alike. So yeah, we're on the same wavelength. I made a reel about that. And I said, there's a lot in the coaching space or in the entrepreneurial space. There's this phrase where it's, it's always your fault. You know, it's like, is it? is it, is it really your fault? I don't think so. Some things are your fault, but like you said, Connor, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. You may not be the reason you have this problem, but you're going to have to figure out a way to, to resolve it. So hundred percent, I agree with you. Absolutely. Responsibility, ability to respond. And with that, I'm thinking, how do we, I know this is a very broad question, but I was also mm concept of therapy recently and i feel like a lot of the reasons we don't go is because it is stigmatized if you say to somebody yeah. you should go to therapy you know it's not a compliment so i'm trying to think mm. of ways and i'm personally in therapy and i don't mind discussing that um i try i'm trying to think of ways how we can reduce the stigma of going to therapy mm. and making it more normal and accessible besides from the cost i mean just as an attitude to the point where you would say hey i'm going to see a therapist as you would to say i'm going to see a doctor about i don't know right. a, a brave sorry a bruised ankle or something mm-hmm. i think i think you know, we need to frame it in masculinity because people think that going to therapy is not manly no it is manly and we need to and we need to bring light and explore what the cost of not going to therapy is. Domestic violence, depression, drug use, alcoholism, broken marriages, broken families. Is that manly? I don't think so. And what's the, what are the benefits of going to therapy? Stronger marriages, stronger relationships, you know, healthy families, good relationships with your wife, your sons, your daughters, doing well in your job, or how about this? Because you're doing well mentally, your body is not pumping out so much. Um, what's that stress hormone called? And it escapes my mind. Yeah, it's escape mind too. Yeah. Well, let, let's, you know. Let, let's this is what I could do with the Jamie, like the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta have a Jamie. Cortisol, right? So if you're doing well mentally, your body is producing less cortisol and it's producing more serotonin the feel-good chemical. And, you know, cortisol leads to basically the breakdown of your body, right? And if you have less stress, what do people say in fitness, right? You can be as, as you can have an amazing thing, but if you're stressed all the time, that can affect your fitness. So if you want to get, like, you know, if you want to be manly, macho, fit, how about you be strong in all your dimensions? Strong in your body, strong in the mind, strong in your heart and strong in your spirit because if you're jacked and big and you have a weak heart and a weak mind you're still operating from a a vibration of weakness you know cowardice is running away bravery is running towards you're running away from your emotions because you're afraid you don't get stigmatized i'm sorry you're operating from a from a vibration of cowardice that doesn't make you a coward but you are doing something cowardly. Now, if you face reality, that's really what it's about, right? You said um, uh, knowing when you need help is being stoic. Facing reality, that is masculine, 
right? Not facing reality, that's delusional and it's cowardly. But when you face reality, you are you're contending with the world, with truth. And when you contend with that, it's scary because you might not be as strong as you thought you were, but that's okay because there's nothing wrong with being weak so long as you try to get stronger. And, and, I, and I, I say strength, but I, I really just mean like, you know, just improving. And I say strength, we were framing this through masculinity, but it's okay to be, if you're weak right now, that's fine. If you're weak physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that's okay. But get real with yourself that this is, this is what you're lacking and take actions to improve yourself. Because it's not just for you. When you get therapy or you get whatever help or you take steps to get strong physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you're not the only one who's benefiting. benefiting. It's the people around you who benefit too. You can be a better son, a better brother, a better friend, a better boyfriend, a better husband, a better father. Your whole community around you benefits when you are strong, but when you are weak, your immediate community suffers, right? So I think if we frame it like that, I think it'll become less stigmatized. And, and we, we really just have to bring awareness and just frame it this way, you know? And, and I think if, if we start having these conversations more, you know, not just on this podcast, but everybody starts having it on, on the national and the international forum, the international stage, I think it really will destigmatize these things. Because the cost of men not expressing their emotions healthily is high. If you can't control your emotions as a man, you hurt others or you hurt yourself. And a man who cannot control his emotion ends up in three places. The hospital, the, the Senate, the grave, or jail. I think everything you've said there has really resonated, especially when it comes to the cost of not going and how it affects those around mm -hmm. you. I never actually right. think of it from that perspective of, I always think, oh yeah, but if you go, you have to open up the wounds. But if you don't go, like there's another cost, like you're going to continue with, for example, poor marriages or poor relationships. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it will explode. Like it does creep up on you when you suppress. And it, it brings me nicely to a, qu a quote or a phrase that I spoke to another mm -hmm. guest about recently, where we talked about this, like the concept of vulnerability, a word yeah. I love. And she mentioned something which I found extremely valuable, which was vulnerability can be a strength and can ultimately be your superpower. Can you mm -hmm. talk to me a bit about what you think of that? Vulnerability mm -hmm. can be your strength and ultimately your superpower. Right. I think it's first important to define what vulnerability is. I think vulnerability, what it is, is facing the truth. First and foremost with yourself. You've got to be vulnerable with yourself. You gotta say, hey, my headspace is not in the best place right now. I might need to get some therapy. Or you know what? I have trauma relating from my relationship with my father. This is just an example. I have father-related trauma. I'm angry at him. I just cannot forgive him right now. And it's affecting my discipline, my sleep schedule. It's seeping into all areas of my life. It's affecting my relationship with my own masculinity as well as the masculine dimension of energy and my relationships with other men shit, I need some therapy. So I think vulnerability first should be defined as the ability, as right, vulnerability. It's the ability to face the truth. 
and to, yeah, to really face that truth and then take action from there. I think vulnerability is also going from facing the truth is when appropriate, revealing the truth to others. But you know what it is? Being authentic. Let's say that. It's all about truth. Vulnerability is being true to yourself, with yourself, and being true to others, being authentic. So, yeah, being authentic with, with other people yeah. about some of, the, some of the struggles you may have gone through. Now, it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything about every little thing that you just met, but when the situation, when you're in a situation where you got to be real, be real. Because guess what? People can smell macho bullshit a mile away. You know? And I'll, I'll even say this. I might have acted, I acted the same way w- when I was younger. I felt like I always had to just project this, you know, this, this facade of, of, of macho-ness. And you know what? It's tiring, man. It is tiring wearing a mask. It is tiring to pretend to fake it till you make it. You don't fake it till you make it. You fake it till the whole house of cards collapses. It is tired doing that. But you know what's not tiring? Being your authentic self. Sometimes you might have to tell people, hey, I'm human and I fucked up. I had a divorce. I cheated on my partner. I was not the best boyfriend. Or I felt suicidal when I was young, right? And, and of course, like, don't, don't let that be your opener. Hi, my name is, you know, <laughs> X, Y, Z. I was suicidal. I cheated on my girlfriend. No, like, but being real when it calls for it. And I think the best people to be vulnerable with are the people, first of all, yourself. Got to be vulnerable with yourself. Got to be willing to be real with yourself. And then being real with the people closest to you. And here's the thing. If you're comfortable with it, then yeah, open up about it. But if you're uncomfortable about it, maybe you need to resolve a few things. So it's not always, you got to use discernment. It's not always the best thing to just be, op- to be open about everything with everyone, but at least explore your ability to be open because people respond well to the truth. People have, I don't know, people love the truth and people can smell lies from a mile away. Or if they don't, eventually, you know, people, people eventually they will, you know, so I think Shakespeare had a, had a quote, the truth will out. Truth always comes out. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is so much more liberating to live in the truth in your authenticity. So start first by being vulnerable with yourself and Absolutely. then be open with, with people who are close to you. Who you, who you can feel safe being open with. And I think people from there, people will start to figure out their own way of how they can be vulnerable and, and really be authentic, which is what vulnerability is, being authentic. Absolutely. And it, it, it's leading me nicely onto a question that I have related to therapy where I often <laughs> think, and this is difficult to say because you can't judge everybody's circumstances, but I right. think therapy for almost everyone would be useful. For example, like you shouldn't wait until you're overweight to go to the gym. Likewise, right. with therapy, you shouldn't wait until an episode of depression to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. But it is usually that breaking point where we finally go to therapy. Mm. I think we should go at a much 
earlier age and go even when we're feeling well, even when there is serotonin, mm -hmm. because like the gym example, you can never be too fit or too well mentally. Or right. I feel like getting in there at an early point before any breaking points or anything can be so beneficial. 100%. You know what? It's like a car. He uses metaphor of a car. If your car breaks down, very rarely is it just a fluke breakdown. There was a series of events that happened to that component of your car malfunctioning. So if you bring your car in for regular maintenance, why wouldn't you bring yourself in for regular maintenance? Why wouldn't you bring your, one of the most important things you have, your mind in for maintenance, your maintenance of the mind. Why, why wouldn't you? But I think the way, you know, and, and again, it's so crazy that, you know, the topics we're talking about, you know, are so, you know, in a way we're having like unspoken telepathy. Like you're having these thoughts. I made some videos about it. I made a video uh, this week about how people don't change until the pain is just, it just hurts so much. You know, people don't change until the pain is so real. And that pain is so real that it gives them a vision into the future. If I keep doing what I'm doing now, this is what my life is going to look like. And I think when people have that pain, and now people can wait till that pain comes, which like you said, this is not ideal. But I think if people meditate and they journal, which I'm a big proponent of journaling, like journaling, in my opinion, is that could probably, that could solve so many problems. Uh, but if people just meditate, they journal, they reflect what will my life look like if I proceed in the way I am now? That will bring up that pain. Imagine what is the worst case scenario that's going to happen? You know, you know, like in the video games, they have like the best choice, like the, the good ending, the so-so ending, and like the worst ending. Yeah, what's the worst ending if you keep doing what you're doing? And people need to experience that pain. They need to know not just what they're going towards, but what they're moving away from. So, yeah, I, I think pe that's something people should um, should reflect on that that pain, whatever it is. Because sometimes, if you you know, sometimes you wait and the pain gets real, you're still at the point where you're okay. But sometimes it's too late. You don't want to get to that point. You don't want to get to the point where the engine explodes. Absolutely, and it's leading me nicely onto probably my final question, Donovan, which mm -hmm. is what does positive, and I'm going to use this word, positive right. masculinity look like to you? Like what does mm. being a man properly represent to you in a healthy, positive, effective form? All right. First and foremost, truth. What do I mean by truth? I think that, you know, people talk about masculinity and femininity like it's man and woman. No, 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 no. Incorrect. Masculinity and femininity come from masculine and feminine. They are dimensions of energy. Everyone has a ratio of masculine and feminine in them. Some men have a little bit more feminine than other men. That's fine. Some women have a little bit more masculine than other women. That's fine. But we need to get to know ourselves. Who are we? What is our ratio of masculine and feminine? What does that mean to us? Who are we authentically, right? I think people have the ability to change, but I think we also have set in parameters, right? Like, you know, you, we like the things we like, not because we chose it, we just like it. So th there's, always some, there's already some kind of personality framework or blueprint. Let's explore that as people. 
Let's meditate. Let's journal. Let's actually get to know the most important person in your life, you. And then you can determine what masculinity or femininity means to you. And maybe if you're a little bit more of a feminine guy, all right, whatever. That's fine. There's a lot of, I'll say there's probably a lot of artists have more feminine, not, not like they have so much more feminine than masculinity, but their feminine is a little bit higher than baseline. Okay, great. Artists are necessary for our culture and society. There's nothing wrong with that. And some guys are just super, super masculine. Not a lot of feminine. Okay, great. We need those people too. So I think people need to explore what their masculine and their feminine entails. And then from there, they, they can be their own authentic selves. Because let me tell you about this. At what time does a man get to, get to determine his own masculinity on his own terms? Not on what society thinks, not on what women think, not on what the street thinks. When does a man get to determine his own masculinity on his own terms? And that is when he knows himself. And the only way he knows himself is by being vulnerable, which is to me the ability to be authentic, true with himself. And then from there, he can figure out what that means. So maybe a man needs to express the feminine inside him through music, through dance, through martial arts, which is also, by the way, another way he can express his Feminine as well. So the masculine and the feminine, they're kind of wrapped up. It's kind of hard to separate one from the other. And we kind of do that just so we can understand it. But yeah, like for me, I like to express my masculine in music, in physical training, in, you know, motorcycles. And I, and I express my feminine dimension also through music. Through, through dance, through movement. So see, some of those things that I express my masculine through, they also express some of the feminine as well. So people need to understand that we have these two energetic um, spectrums. And yeah, there's a lot, but, but here's another thing. Aggression. Every man has aggression. I mean, look at Will Smith. He slapped Chris Rock. The man has aggression. I think society has demonized aggression, male aggression. And I can understand. When, when let loose, male aggression looks ugly domestic abuse, alcoholism, violence, fights, killing, murder. Uh, not to say that this is at the, at, at the level of murder, but or Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. But male aggression, like all emotions, cannot be eliminated. Because it's part of what makes us men. It's part of what makes up our masculinity. It needs to be expressed, right? And there's a lot of ways to express there's a, there's a creative outlet that everybody can do. Journaling, journaling is one. I will sing the praises of journaling all day. But there's also sport, gym, calisthenics, boxing. You know, I used to box. I did a little bit of amateur competition. I decided the fight game was not for me, but I was so grateful for my experience because it made me face my aggression. If you will allow your aggression to control you in boxing, you're going to get knocked out because you're easy, you're predictable, you're tense, you're slow. But you have to hold space for your own aggression and another man's aggression. You got to hold space for it and you got to control it. You got to get real with it. You got to face it. 
there's boxing, there's jujitsu, there's MMA, there's wrestling. That's, I think, ultimately what we're getting back to. Be real with yourself. You have emotions. Face shit. Say to yourself, all right, I feel angry. I feel aggressive. I feel sad. I feel depressed. I feel, I feel however I feel. And then learn to sit with that feeling. All right? People don't deal with their emotions because it's uncomfortable. Get comfortable with that emotional discomfort. Sit with it. And guess what? Emotions are there to tell us things. Oh, I feel this kind of way when I go to work. Hey, maybe that emotion is telling you this job ain't for you. Pick the wrong career field. Maybe you should think about a change. Our emotions are there to tell us things. We should listen to them. We shouldn't be controlled by them. We shouldn't enact violence on behalf of them, but we should listen to them. And then we can choose to heed their advice or not. I think that's a very powerful and profound way to end the conversation. Donovan, thank you very much for coming on today. I've really appreciated all of the insights from society to masculinity, to mm. dealing with emotions, responsibility, and everything you've shared. It's much appreciated and keep up the good work. All right. And uh, if I may, uh, can, I, uh, can I just plug my business real quick? Yeah, of course you can. For anyone who's listening to this podcast, for all listeners of The Comeback Show with Connor Kelly, I am offering a free consultation. And if it's the right fit, free session. So for anybody who's listening now, just say that the combat podcast Connor Kelly sent you and we can schedule a consultation. If fitness, mindset, nutrition, and diet, if that's something you want to figure out, that's what I do. That's my specialty. That's, that's my job. And so free consultation. And if it's the right fit, one free session. And that is open to everybody who listens to the Comeback Podcast. So I just want to put that out there. Excellent. Donovan, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. My pleasure.